my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to another episode of Big Money Energy, where we talk to super successful and self-made people to find out exactly how they did it, how they went from nothing to something. I'm Ryan Serhant, and today I'm joined by New York Times bestselling author and host of the School of Greatness podcast, Lewis Howes. We discuss the importance of having coaches and mentors throughout life, how to look within to find the confidence you need to be your best self, and what it takes to go from being unemployed, sleeping on your sister's couch, to becoming one of the most influential podcasters on the planet. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode. Hey, 
Today is a super, super special day. One, it is snowing in the city again. I don't remember the last time it snowed so much in New York City. But that means I don't have to go show properties. It means I can sit here and I can talk to one of my favorite people, a former professional football player, keynote speaker, now media entrepreneur, high-performance business coach, everyone, Lewis House. Um, uh, we first met when my first book, Sell Like Sir Hint, came out and he was gracious enough to help me uh, launch the book in Los Angeles back when people used to talk to people in person and we used to have a book events. That was really, really cool. You guys know him from everything. One of the biggest podcasts in the world, The School of Greatness, which we'll get into, um, recognized by the White House and President Obama is one of the top 100 entrepreneurs in the country under 30. He's met Tom Brady. Okay, that's really, really important to me, uh, amongst many, many other things. Without further ado, Lewis House, thank you so much for being here, man. My man, appreciate you, and congrats on the new book. Excited to have you on my show soon to talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. Before we start, though, you know, I've been on other people's podcasts for a long time, right? Million Dollar Listing started 10 years ago. Wow. Man, you were like, what, 22 when that happened? Yeah, I was 20, uh, 26. Wow. And now time goes by real fast. And kind of right around that time, a couple of years later, right, you just celebrated your, your eight-year anniversary of School of Greatness, yeah? Yeah. Uh, this year, we just celebrated eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Last month. Over a thousand episodes. A thousand episodes, man. It's crazy. And it goes by fast. Like you said, I remember the first episode. You probably remember your first episode and you were t- probably terrible on TV and I was terrible on podcasting and, you know, look at us now, so... Can we go back, though, to the beginning before I get into all the questions I have about your your kind of career, right, and your professional life and, and what a lot of things mean to you. But you graduate college, you go into arena football, you get hurt. Whole life leads up to that one moment. What do you do? For me, in that moment, it was an identity crisis because my whole identity was tied to being an athlete and being known and being valued for my athletic abilities. And so when, I was, when I'm not able to do that anymore... And that's the only identity I have. I had to learn the hard way. It took a couple of years to figure out, okay, my identity does not define me. Uh, and I can always reinvent my identity. So imagine if you lost all the ability to sell real estate or talk about real estate or buy real estate or invest in it. Just for whatever reason, you lost that ability. And that's been 10 years of your life. For a lot of people in transitioning sports into real world afterwards, they get depressed. They get... Uh, unsure of themselves, and they don't have that same confidence when they had that identity into the next stage. And I lacked the confidence. Uh, For a couple of years, I was on my sister's couch. I didn't have any money. I was trying to figure out how to get a job. This was 2007 to 2009 when the uh, economy was crashing. Yeah, everything. So for me, I didn't have a college degree yet. I eventually went back and finished, but I really didn't know what to do. And so I, again, I just used what I learned from sports and said, what got me to being a uh, you know, professional athlete? What allowed me to accomplish all American status in a couple sports and break records and all these things was having incredible coaches. And why would I do life or career or business alone without a coach? Because this is what I know. And in order to get to the top, I've needed coaches. In order to stay at the top, the greatest athletes in the world invest in better coaches. You know, Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, they don't say, "Eh, I'm the best. I don't need a coach. They say, no, I'm going on the team that has the best coach because I want to win multiple championships. I don't want to just get to the top and that's it. And so I started to lean, uh, look for mentors. And originally it was people that I'd already met from, you know, professors at school or whatever. But then I started reaching out on LinkedIn to finding kind of local entrepreneurs in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I was based at the time, where I'm from. 
and started reaching out to them and essentially begging them to mentor me because I had nothing to offer them. I had no skills. I had no career. I had no value except for a curious heart and a listening ear that that I learned how to ask the right questions so that people would reply to my emails on LinkedIn so that people would go to coffee with me or actually take me to lunch and pay for my lunch because I couldn't afford it. And I would find these really successful kind of local leaders spending their time with me as a 23, 24-year-old punk with no job, no nothing. And it was all around positioning. And I positioned my LinkedIn profile in a right way to get people to reply to me. I positioned my email messaging the right way so people would respond to me. And that positioning created proximity where then I had access to people, people that had skills, people that had money, people that had job opportunities, people that had experience. So I could learn from that proximity and from the people that had that knowledge. And that was the thing that out of necessity, because I didn't have money, I was living off my sister's couch, eating her food, not paying rent for a year and a half. But she gave me a gift after a year and a half of not paying for anything or contributing. She said, it's time for you to leave. You either need to pay rent or you need to leave. And it was the greatest gift she gave me because it created urgency and it created opportunities to break through because I probably would be on that couch for another year, two years, three years. I was a grown man at 25, 24, 25 at that time. And you know, I didn't want to live off my sister, but it was also like, I don't have to work hard. So she created the sense of like, okay, there's, hey, they have to go live in the streets. But what I did is I begged my brother to let me stay at his place. <laughs> and he- get- Good sized family there. <laughs> exactly. You got tons of couches. Exactly. And he gave me a gift. He said, listen, you got to pay 250 bucks a month for your room. I was like, okay, I got to do something. I got to figure out how do I make 300 bucks, right? So that I can pay here and also buy some food. And it just got me working a little bit more. Okay, what do I need to do? Do I go get a job? Do I go try to make money? How do I make money? And it went down that path of just next steps. That's insane. But that is a really, really, really cool story. What was your uh, relationship to money at that time? Because you didn't have a whole lot of it. Uh, Afraid, uneducated, ignorant, uh, needy. I desired it, but I was also scared of it. I didn't know how to make money. I never made money before 25, really. I mean, I was a truck driver for a number of months, making $250 a week, driving six- Truck driver? I drove uh, Napa auto car parts uh, from Ah. from Columbus, Ohio to Cincinnati and back every day. I dropped them off, take two and a half hours to get there, do uh, about a 30 to 45 minute pickup of new parts and bring them back to the- Columbus warehouse. And so I was driving the largest truck before it was kind of like the massive U-Haul before you needed a trucking license. And it was, it was miserable. It was a miserable experience. But I also was like, how do I make the most of this six hour commute daily driving car parts? And so what I did is I said, I, I, mean, I would just play crazy games in my mind. The, car, the truck only went 55 miles an hour when I put the pedal to the metal. And so everyone's passing me in the middle of Ohio. I don't know if you've been to Ohio, but there's just cornfields for hours. So you're not really, there's nothing really to look at. And it's where I learned how to salsa dance. I learned salsa dancing as a truck driver. What? In my mind. So I would. (laughs) That's some inception stuff. I wanted to learn how to salsa dance because I was terrified of it. And I went to this like jazz club one night that had salsa dancing. And I was just blown away by all the Latin people who were there. 
uh, dancing salsa, and I was like, this is the most intimidating thing I've ever seen, but it's also probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I kept going back to this place once a week. They would do salsa dancing. I'd go back once a week, and I would just watch. I literally was the creeper. I wasn't trying to be a creeper, but I would sit in the corner and just be like, this is amazing. This is mesmerizing. And I love the music. I love the culture, the people, the language, everything. And when I started truck driving, I said, okay, I'm going to teach myself salsa dancing. I had someone burn me a CD of the greatest hits of salsa songs. And I listened to this for six hours a day. And I would practice on YouTube back then. YouTube had this channel called Addicted to Salsa, which taught you uh, salsa tutorials before its time. And I would watch these at night. I would practice in the mirror. I would then rehearse these moves in my mind for six hours a day while listening to the music. So I was trying to figure out how can I learn a skill making money doing something I don't like. And and that was, uh, that was a process. But I didn't know how to make money. I was a truck driver. I was a bouncer on the weekends making, I don't know, maybe 150 bucks a weekend at a nightclub. And I never was entrepreneurial. I didn't have the lemonade stand. I didn't do the baseball card thing. I didn't garage sale. None of that stuff. I relied on my dad to kind of be like, okay, you know, here's 20 bucks or 100 bucks when you need it or whatever. Um, he never gave me a lot of money, but it was always provided like I had a house and food. I didn't need anything else. But when I was 20, when you're 25 and you're sleeping on your sister's couch and you're not as cool anymore. And that's when I said, I've got to learn financial literacy. I've got to learn and understand what it means to make money, how to make money on your own, what it looks like to get a job, uh, how to manage my personal finances, just all the basics that no one teaches in school. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... 
the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. So what was your first job then? Now you're crashing, you're paying your brother. You had to figure out how to make money, right? I did. And, and the podcast came years later, didn't it? Yeah, years later. That was actually the dream. Back then when I was on my sister and brother's couch, I was like, what do I want to be doing? I had this idea of back in 2007, 8, and 9, I was like, I just want to interview the most fascinating people in the world and ask them how they got there. Because wouldn't it be cool if you just get paid to just ask questions of smart people? And, but I was like, no one will listen to me at this moment. No one would, I don't have any credibility. You know, why would they show up to my show? Why would these people even talk to me? So I knew there was something I wanted and spent about five years building a business, online marketing business to where things started to take off pretty quickly. It took about two years of being broke and on my sister's couch and then my brother's place until I made really my first dollars online. And I remember I did a, for those two-year period, I was obsessing over LinkedIn. I was obsessing over because I was connecting with these thought leaders in my local community. Um, and eventually, people started reaching out to me saying, hey, Lewis, can you show me how to use LinkedIn for you know connecting to people or generating leads and traffic? And since I was just doing it all day long, I started writing articles about it. I eventually wrote a book about LinkedIn. I was one of the first people to write a book about it in 2009. And uh, I started hosting LinkedIn networking events. And so I hosted a LinkedIn networking event using my connections, messaging 2009, messaging people one at a time. I think I started my first one late 2008. And I literally just messaged everyone I knew one at a time, custom email message on LinkedIn and said, hey, and they had an events feature. So I said, hey, we're hosting a LinkedIn networking event. Here it is. Please bring three friends. It's free. Uh, you know, all this stuff. And I sold four sponsorships at 250 bucks for like a table, like a little booth. And I called up- Four months of rent, baby. Exactly. And I called up uh, the local, a few local restaurants. And I said, what's the worst night of the week for you when no one comes in? They were like Tuesday night or Wednesday night or something. And I said, can I have it for free if I can bring people, you know, a hundred people to this? And they were like, sure. And they had food and drinks and bar and all that stuff. And I said, you can keep all the money that I just want to have the space. And the first event we did, we had 300 to 350 people show up. I made a thousand bucks on the sponsorships. But the coolest thing was the connections and everyone thanked me afterwards saying, wow, like I met so-and-so and now we're going to talk about doing this. I met so-and-so who I'm going to hire, whatever it is. I became essentially the champion of everyone's problems and the solutions. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I did this again and I charged for people to come. So I charged $5 at the door and I was like, I don't know if anyone's gonna come. And we had more people show up. And I was like, oh wow, okay. So I sold sponsorships the second time and I charged five bucks. 
What if I can charge 10 bucks? And I just started going to the next level. Okay, we made $10, $10 at the door, sponsorships. Then I started to build a relationship with these restaurants. And I said, hey, will you give me 10 or 15% commission on the food and bar? And they were like, yeah, this is the worst night of the week. No one's coming in. Of course. And so I was getting three levels of revenue from one event. Then I was doing one-on-one consulting for people that said, hey, can you show me how to to do this on LinkedIn? So I was charging $100 and $200 and $300 a session for doing one-on-one. Then I was like, okay, let me write a book around this so I can have something to sell at these events. So now I had five levels of revenue and I just kept thinking, okay, what else can I do? Then I started making money off of connecting people and getting commissions on deals. And I just kept thinking, how can I make more money with one event? What can I do? Then the thing that really transformed everything is when I was branding myself and positioning myself in the social media world as the LinkedIn guy. I was like, everyone's talking about being a social media expert. I know social media platforms pretty well, but not as well as LinkedIn. And everyone was like, I'm a social media expert online, their bio. And I was just like, no, I'm the LinkedIn king. Like, I don't care about anything else, but LinkedIn. And because I positioned myself as that, that was that wasn't what I wanted long term. I wanted to do a show. But at the moment I knew I needed to position myself as an expert at one thing as opposed to an expert at all things. And by doing that, opportunities started to come to me. Every social media conference said, We need a LinkedIn, you know, room. Who's the guy who can come speak? Well, I know Lewis, and Lewis is writing articles about this, and Lewis has wrote a book about this, and Lewis is hosting events on LinkedIn. Let's bring Lewis in. So I was doing that, and then eventually I met a guy at a conference, and uh, he asked me to come on one of his webinars. And I didn't know what a webinar was in 2009, um, but I said, let's do it. He was a pretty big name in kind of the space at the time. And um, he said, I need you to do a presentation about LinkedIn. It's going to be a free event. You're going to present. And at the end, I want you to sell something. I want you to sell a course or a program. And this is back in 2009 when there was no course platforms. There was no, it was really hard to build a website back in 2009 and put stuff together. I had no clue what I was doing. And I said, okay, I don't have the time to put together a course or a training, but what I'll do is I'll put together a PayPal link and I'll give a free presentation. And then at the end, I'll say, hey, for anyone who wants more advanced training on LinkedIn, like pay me here, I charge 150 bucks, pay me here. And what I'll do is three weeks of more online training, like on a live webinar. I'll just give you access to a private link and I'll teach you this, this, and this every week. And at the end, and I was horrible. It's my first time giving a presentation. I had no clue what I was doing. The slides were janky and you know I was stuttering the whole time. But at the end, I closed down the webinar presentation. I opened up my Gmail and it was probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. More than any girl I'd ever seen. It was my entire uh, email on my, my screen that said, you've received payment. Every line said, you received payment, you received payment. I was like, I was literally screaming. I was in my brother's place at this time, living for 250 bucks a month, and there was $6,200 in my PayPal account in minutes. And I was like, I am the richest man in the world. I could do this every day for the rest of my life. If I get to teach about LinkedIn and make $6,200, I'll do this all day long. And for the next six years, that's pretty much all I did. I said, okay, how do I become a better teacher? How do I master LinkedIn more? How do I understand webinars? How do I learn about online marketing, copywriting? How do I create relationships and affiliate partnerships to drive traffic? How do I buy traffic? How do I, how do, I do more of this thing? 
And I just obsessed over becoming better at that. And after about four or five years, I got like tired of just talking about LinkedIn. I was like, this is not what I want to do. Like my dream has been to do this interview thing. And I don't know the best platform. Like I'd like a TV show, but no one's, I'm still not really known. I'm, I'm known as a LinkedIn guy, but not known in anything else. And so I took about a year off where I sold the company to my business partner at that time, had saved pretty much everything. I pretty much lived like I was on my sister's couch still, saved, didn't have a car, didn't have a TV, just like walked everywhere, saved money. And then I had a couple of years of runway where I was like, I could do whatever. And I was like, I really want to do this interview show. And podcasting back in 2012 wasn't a thing. It was like Joe Rogan was on there, some weird like basement tech shows were on there or something, but no one knew even how to go download a podcast. But I had two friends that had just launched one in middle of 2012. And I just moved to LA at the time for a girl. Didn't work out quickly. And I said, uh, but let me stay here. And I was driving in LA traffic and it was miserable. And I was like, man, I just kind of feel stuck in my life right now. I feel stuck that I moved here for this girl and it's not working out. Like, it's kind of resenting myself. And I was really frustrated because I was supposed to go meet someone a mile away and it took like two hours to get there in a car. And I was like, this is exhausting. And I go, how are people doing this every day? Stuck in their car, stuck in their life. Like, there's got to be a way to serve people who feel this type of stuckness, whether it be literally in a car or just in their life. And I said, God, why don't I just create a free show, like a podcast? I heard a couple of friends are doing it. Let me call them. So I called them in the car ride, literally. And ask them both, like, what is this podcasting thing? Is it worth it? Is it going to be a waste of time? And both of them said it was the most fun they were having of anything they're doing in their business. It was the most qualified leads they were getting for the things that they were selling eventually. And they were just having a blast doing it. And I was like, if these guys could do it, I could probably figure this out. And probably about four or five months later, I launched the show. And uh, yeah, end of January 2013, so eight years ago. And um, it's just been a figuring it out process every day since. Crazy. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. You know, I could listen to you for a year straight, I think. Like, I don't even have to make noise. <laughs> your story is just so interesting. You skipped over one thing just really quick. You Coaches got you to a certain point. Did you end up finding that life coach, business coach, or, or mentor when you were kind of stuck in there? Or was it mostly just leaning on friends? I had three mentors at the time. One was, um, it's funny, at the time also, when I just finished playing football, I had to have a surgery on my wrist because I broke a bone in my wrist. And so I was in a full arm cast from my shoulder to my fingers. I kind of looked like the kid from Rookie of the Year that like had yeah, yeah. arm up. And then when it got out, he's like, doosh, yeah, doosh, yeah. Doosh, except yeah, for exactly. I, it was like a wet noodle. I couldn't, I couldn't move my arm when it got out. I didn't have power or strength. And so I was in this cast for six months. It was miserable, miserable. And um, during that time is when I was just on LinkedIn because I couldn't really work out. I didn't have a job, nothing on my sister's couch. And I, I reached out to a few people. One was a, a former like headmaster of the school I went to, like the college I went to that I became close with. He was an Olympic qualifying athlete, all this stuff. So I kind of connected him over sports. He was my kind of spiritual leadership compass, great family man, had success in business. Then I reached out. Um, I had invented a product during this time that uh, I called the cast comfy ah. because this cast I had, I had to wear for so long was smelly. I don't know if you've ever broken a bone and had a cast, yeah. but it's it smells smelly yeah. after a week, dirty. It's like scraping You just want to like rip it off. Chest. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, there's got to be a better solution if someone's wearing a cast so it doesn't look and smell dirty. And so I went on Alibaba at the time and I actually, and I had no money except for like a hundred bucks or something. And I spent, I think it was like, yeah, I don't know, 70 bucks to get a couple samples. I designed a sample of, I was like, there needs to be something you can put over this. And I actually still have them. And I des- I was like, I need a, a double thickness sweatband, like an arm wristband, but seven times the length. And so I was just kind of designing this thing on a piece of paper, <laughs> like uploaded to Alibaba, found some manufacturers in China. And I was like, can you make this and send it to me in Ohio? <laughs> and six weeks later, I got like my first prototype. And I was like, this is amazing. I had different colors. I had different lengths. And I was like, I need someone who can help me design this better, package it, sell it, you know, market it, all this stuff. I have no idea how to do any of this. And so I met someone at the time who knew an inventor and begged this inventor to meet with me and showed him my design and my and everything. I had it there. And uh, he ended up mentoring me for the next like six months. He was like, come into the office like a few days a week, ask me questions like and work for me for free essentially. And um, I'll, I'll help you launch this thing. I'll help you get it off the ground. We ended up not getting that off the ground, but I ended up learning about product design, product development, naming. He's a master of like naming, uh, you know, trademarking. We'd go to design shows together. So I'd go to trade shows with him and just learned about like the business of networking. And I just learned about how to take an idea in your mind and make it a physical reality and manifest it from every process, from idea to manufacturing, to licensing, to PR, everything. So that was an amazing six-month experience. He was my creative 
mentor of like, how do I take an idea and manifest it into a physical form? And then I, at the salsa clubs, because I started going salsa dancing a lot and teaching myself <laughs> salsa dancing, I met, um, I met another guy who was uh, a professional speaker. And at the time, I was terrified of public speaking. I could not even speak in front of an audience of four people without stuttering and, and being nervous. And I was like, man, you go around the country and you get paid to speak? That sounds amazing, but I could never do it. And he mentored me and, and said, you need to join Toastmasters. You need to overcome the fear, learn the basics of public speaking. And I want you to go every week for a year to Postmasters until you feel confident enough in presenting without notes, without preparation in front of an audience. And I went every single week for a year, I would film it, I would get feedback from them, all this stuff, until I finally overcame the fear. And I didn't know that speaking would be a thing in my future because I was terrified of it, but that mentor and coach really guided me to, to overcome those fears. So those three were really instrumental, but then every year I'm finding, hiring new coaches, you know, I'm paying for experts at different levels to help me in my health and wellness, business strategy, relationships, therapy, inner work, all that stuff. So I'm always looking for great coaches. Where do you think your, or what do you attribute your, your sense of enthusiasm to? Like you have great energy. I think one thing that, that you people know, are- big money are, energy, man. You got to have that, you know? <laughs> I think one thing people are, are, are attracted to you about, and it's so fun to, to listen to you and, and just to listen to your interviews that you do on, on the podcast. I'm sure why people take, you know, take your courses and everything is that you, you have this amazingly authentic and new sense of energy almost every day. You grammed a tweet where you said, mindset is everything. The way you think affects your energy and actions. Change your thoughts and your life will start to change, which is right. So you just saying, you just talking about, you know, the things you think about now as part of your work ends up becoming the things that you're doing two to three years from now, as long as you put in the work. But you mentioned that word energy. And then I watch you even now on that amazing high resolution camera that you have that my team <laughs> needs to figure out. You've got that incredible energy. Is it, do you, do you credit your parents or just excitement for life? Is it something you developed because you were, because you knew you needed to have it? I think I always had something like there was always something inside of me. And I, I don't know if everyone else feels this. Maybe you felt this as a kid, Ryan, that I always felt like, okay, I don't know why I'm here. And there were many times that I would get in trouble as a kid and get sent to the principal's office. And I, I would tell them all the time, I wish I were dead. I had a darker childhood in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I was sexually abused as a five-year-old. It took me 25 years to open up about it and start sharing and start healing. So I, I lived with a lot of resentment and anger in moments of my life. But I had this duality of like passion and childlike joy and energy as well. But when someone triggered me, it was like, don't ever try to take advantage of me or, or, or abuse me. Otherwise, I was like, I'm going to destroy you. And I didn't understand why. But I, I was sexually abused as a kid. My brother went to prison when I was eight for four and a half years. So every almost every weekend, I was in a prison visitor room with a room full of inmates and their families. And because there was visiting hours for, for my brother. And so there were, you know, there was just a lot of... I was in special needs classes until I graduated college after seven years of college, all the way from as long as I can remember. So there was a lot of uh, you know inner suffering that I created myself based on experiences. 
And I just wanted to be happy. I wanted to be joyful. I was a loving kid, but also when I was triggered, there was a lot of anger and resentment. And it took me many years to learn how to heal and learn how to accept and love myself. And that was about eight years ago when I learned that process. And I'm still in that, still in that process. I'm not perfect. But I've also had a deep sense of gratitude at the same time for my life. So there was like a knowing even though I was like angry and upset and resentful as a younger kid, the older I got, I was just like, God, I'm supposed to do something for the world. I don't know what it is, but I know my life is more meaningful than being a dumb kid and just being an athlete. But it's, I don't know what it is, but I need to figure it out. And that listening to that voice, trusting it, or that knowingness is what's allowed me to wake up every day, literally, I kid you not, with just so much gratitude that I have another day to express myself, to enjoy life, to meet cool people, to share what I've learned, to learn new stuff. I mean, I woke up this morning, 7 a.m., I did a Spanish class because I committed to learning Spanish. And it's I've been doing it for six months, this one-on-one Spanish class. And I have a, uh, someone that teaches me on Zoom and for 20 years, Ryan, I've been telling myself I want to learn Spanish. 20 years. Every year I say, I'm going to buy this course. I'm going to download this uh, learning app. I'm going to take this thing. And I try it. And it's so hard on my brain that I get exhausted. And I'm like, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And the middle of last year, I said, you know what? Every year I tell myself I'm going to learn this Spanish. And every year, it's New Year's Eve. And I say, I haven't done squat. And I feel like I always let myself down. And I said to myself this year, I was like, I don't care if this takes me 10 years to learn. Like, I I need to stop speeding up the process of being fluent in Spanish. And I need to enjoy the process of like just a small little win. You're like just figuring out one thing every class and being okay with sucking. And I tell you what, the first six months have been the most challenging, humbling thing for me because I feel like I've gotten nowhere. But today, literally this morning, was the first morning where I was like, I'm understanding some of these things. Maybe I'm a slower learner and maybe it's extremely challenging based on how I learn. But man, I'm like, it just felt good to be like, okay, even though I'm I'm probably not going to be fluent for many, many years, I understand more than I did six months ago and I can be proud of the progress. And that's been, that's been fun. Dude, I am so excited for the future day, whenever that's going to be. Go. When you put out the, your one episode at School of Greatness in complete Spanish. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be awesome. It'll be amazing. You'll be like, I don't even understand how I'm here right now, but this is happening. I know, man. it be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you, something you also said, you spend so much time on, on kind of one-on-one with people, whether they're your coaches or the people that work with you or, or kind of students and stuff. And I remember when you and I met a couple years ago, you know, you're on, you're on your phone. Um, and it's like, what are you doing? You're like answering DMS. It's like answering DMS. I I just remember the look you gave me and it's probably just, you know, a a random moment, but it's like one of those moments that stuck with me. It's like, holy shit. Like he put so much passion and care into the responses to total strangers on social media where I I think you even said like you, you respond to almost everybody. Still, even this morning I was responding to DMS. Yeah. Dude, that is, that is commitment. I I don't know if it's, 
the smartest use of my time, but I, <laughs> uh, you know, you're probably smarter by not doing it, but I feel like, um, the stage I'm at in my life, I'm, I'm trying to be as connected to as many people as possible. It's, uh, I want to have a pulse of what people are saying and what their challenges are, what their, you know, their feedback, what their feedback is, what's working, what's not working so that I can be like, okay, I never want to lose touch and think I've figured it out and think I've made it or think I've mastered something. Cause the beginner's mind for me has always benefited me at any stage of my life. And when I feel like I'm the man, that's when I slip up. That's when I make mistakes. That's when my audience can feel that, okay, he's got a big head now and he's not you know, caring and compassionate. So if I'm not constantly reminding myself, the world will remind me in a way that's not as pleasant. I have so many questions for you. I'm never going to ask them all because <laughs> um, uh, we're totally, we're going to run out of time. But what are you bullish on in the 20s? Like, wh- where do you think the world goes? Where does the world go for podcasting? Like, what's this? What is this business? I'm bullish on team. And I've realized that I've only been, a, I've gotten so far with a very small, limited team before the last year. And a lot of it just being myself and saying, I'm gonna bet, I, w- I was betting on me. I was bullish on me. Uh, but I realized what, what got me here won't necessarily be the thing that's going to get me to the next level of where my vision is, my mission. And so... I know that I need amazing people on our team. And I go back to sports, you know, um, I need all-stars. So I need people that are invested in a mission who uh, are hungry, excited, just like me. And that's what we've been investing in. We brought on, I think, seven or eight people in the last six months. And I'm looking to bring on another seven people in the next three to four months. So I've been uh, learning the skill of you know, being a better coach to team member, as opposed to me being coached and being the star player. How do I now coach people? I've never really done that. You know, I have a little bit, but I've never done it in like my business context. And so learning how to build an amazing team, because the more I spend time, I mean, you're around a lot of wealthy people, successful people who've scaled businesses. They don't, they don't, get a billion dollar exit or a hundred million dollar exit with five people on the team. I mean, that's probably extremely rare. It's like, yeah, we got 300 employees. We have a thousand employees. We have 70 employees. It's just, you can't do it all on your own. And so for me, it's how do I build team better? How do I build culture better so that they're integrated with each other and, and feeling connected without me? Um, and, and how do we, how do we reach more people uh, in the service of what we're creating? So that's what I'm excited about building team. Cause then I know, that's the thing that's going to get us from you know 13 million downloads a month uh, to 100 million downloads a week. And the mission is to serve 100 million people weekly to help them improve their life. And we can't, I can't do that alone. I can't do it with a small team. I need the right team who is all in on the mission to help us create more meaningful content that is scalable, that has better distribution, production value, all that stuff. Um, so it's scaling every aspect of the team and the different tentacles we have in our business. And also, I don't know if people have bought your book yet, but it just came out. Congrats on the success. I've been diving through it, man. I really like everything you're sharing in there. And, uh, the, uh, you know, so for me, if people are, haven't bought the book, they need to buy the book, Big Money Energy, because it's a, it's a game changer. And I love how you talk about confidence in there, because I think a lot of people don't have the ability to believe in themselves. The, the skill of learning how to believe in yourself is one of the greatest skills that we can have. And it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It doesn't matter the credentials and years all this stuff but uh and you teach that skill well in the book so i want people to to get that and buy a couple copies from their friend as well so thanks for the plug man of course of course man and i can't wait to have you on our show and 
I'm going to I'm gonna ask you things that no one's ever asked you, and I'm going to get pe- you to share things you've never shared before. So Great. People should listen to that, too. All right, man. Go about your day. Keep crushing it. Keep being great. I will talk to you soon. My man. See you. If you're ready to take action today based on Lewis Howes' entire blueprint for how he got to where he is, go to bigmoneyenergy.com slash podcast to download an action plan that I put together for you as well as the show notes. That's bigmoneyenergy.com slash podcast. Find more podcasts like Big Money Energy on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Big Money Energy is hosted by me, Ryan Serhant. It's produced by Mike Coscarelli and Joe Loresca and executive produced by Lindsay Hoffman. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.